Listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's Word. Here at Heartsea's Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His Word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's Word. It's hard to believe that we are eight messages already into this current series. I just think that's amazing as we are talking about salt and light. Or really, what does it mean to be a Christian? What should my life look like? What should my life sound like? Because there has to be a difference. Because if there's no difference, we're just the same. We're just the same. And God has called us to be different, to bring hope. And what does it mean to be Christian? I, I pray over this past month that you have discovered this a whole lot more than what we're probably doing right now. And we need to put that right and we need to change that. And I want to start with a great encouragement today from Philippians chapter 3 verse 13 and 14 because I don't want to be negative talking about, you know, we need to do more and we need to change because we do need to do those things. But I want to encourage you into those things today. And I think this is a great Scripture, it's Paul speaking. Paul is a man just like you and I that was saved and called to share the gospel with the world. And he says these words, he says, brethren or sister, men and women, he says, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Say with me, arrived. He says, I haven't arrived. I'm not telling you that I'm there yet. Aren't you glad that you're maybe not there yet and it's okay? Come on, it's okay. You're not there yet. He says, I haven't arrived, but one thing I do. One thing I must do. Really, he's saying this. There's one thing that all of us can do if we choose to make the choice. I'm glad today he doesn't give a whole list of things that you need to do this, 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 this. He's going straight to the source because we've got so good today at treating and being preoccupied with symptoms instead of dealing with the root cause. The symptoms of society instead of getting to the root cause. They're trying to figure out how do you handle racism. Come on, it's not by trying to create different environments for people. The root cause is their hearts have to be changed. It has to be a change of heart that we see that comes around us. And God's the only one that can change the heart of man as we surrender. So what's the answer to these problems? God? What's the answer to abortion? God. What's the answer to equality? God. What's the answer to everything of life? It's God. Breakthroughs and miracles. So Paul is saying, I haven't arrived. But here's the thing. The one thing that's going to get me there. Here it is. He said, forgetting those things. Letting go of those things. Dropping those things. Releasing those things which are where? Behind me. What does it mean for the things that are behind me? That means the things I cannot change. 
That means the conversations I had this week and the words I said that I wished I could take back, but they're already gone and I can't change those. Come on, that's behind me right now. But if I don't watch, that can stay in front of me if I don't get over it and I don't get beyond it. Come on, we're talking about that post that you posted on social media that as soon as you pressed post, you were like, man, I shouldn't have sent that. Come on, you've got to forget those things that are behind you. What about the way you responded to that situation? Do you remember? It wasn't godly, was it? It wasn't good. But what does Paul say? We haven't arrived, but this is what we've got to do. We've got to let go of the mistakes of our past. We've got to let go of the wrong things that we have done. And what have we got to do? We've got to move on from there. How does he go on? Come on, say with me, so... So what? I can reach forward. Do you see what he's saying? I need to reach forward to those things which are ahead. What things are ahead? Other conversations that I can get right this time. Come on, the language that I don't have to use this time. Come on, the posting. I'm going to think before I post things because texting things is just as well as saying things. Come on, I'm going to think before I handle those situations wrong. I can't change the past, but what he's saying is this. I can make a choice from now on that when those situations and circumstances come, what am I going to do? I'm going to handle them properly. I'm going to handle them right. And he says, I let go of those things and I reach forward to those things ahead. And he says, I press towards the goal. Come on, isn't that the goal of every one of our lives? I want to be pleasing to God in my life. Do I always hit the target? No, I don't. But what do I do? I've got to forget that thing and move on. I can't allow what I did wrong to rob me from doing what I know is right. Come on now. I've got to forget those things. Come on, say to your neighbor, forget it. Forget it. Oh, it was probably bad, but you've got to forget it. Because you've got to seize the opportunity to make it right. Come on, I'm going to start heading in the right direction. You know, when I started and sat down for this message, I wanted to get straight into the points. But I just really felt led on, on Thursday, on Friday, or Thursday morning. I couldn't remember what day. Thursday morning, as I was sitting down, I just really felt we need to stay here for a little bit longer. And just need to stay into this introduction for a little bit longer. Because I believe today there's someone here that needs to hear this. You've got to leave your past. Come on, you've got to leave your past. So you can start enjoying your glorious future in God. I want to give you a scripture. Look at this. Are you ready? It says John 8 verse 36. It says these words. Therefore. Anytime in the word of God you see the word therefore. You need to stop and see what it's there for. Come on. There's important things. He says therefore if the son capitalized. It's God. If God has made you free, if He has, is making you free, He has made you free, what does it say? You will be free indeed. You shall be free indeed. Come on, therefore, if the Son sets you free, you shall be free indeed. The if there maybe implies a question. If you are coming to the house. If you want to do that, it usually implies a question, but you've got to understand something. The question is not if God sets you free, because his freedom has already been made possible for every person. When he died upon a cross and he said it was finished, he made a way for every problem and bondage, stronghold in your life. He made it fully possible for every one of us to walk in freedom. So I want you to hear something today. The question is not against God. 
and what He has made possible for you. The question is whether you and I will choose to live in that freedom or not. That's the question. Come on, will we choose that freedom or will we allow our past to condemn us and to stay rooted and grounded to my past? Here's what helps me a lot. I know it's kind of a catchy, kind of cheesy phrase now. It's been overplayed a lot, but I love this. Are you ready? Come on, when Satan begins to remind me of my past, I just throw in his face his future. Come on now. Think about that. When Satan tries to put condemnation on me, I just remind him of his future. How many realizes today his future looks a whole lot worse than your future can be? Come on, his future's not looking good because God is going to condemn him to hell. He's lost. There's no hope for him. So when Satan begins to remind you of your past, turn it around and remind him of his future and then end the conversation with him. You don't need to be conversating with him. Just, just hand it over to God and say, oh, by the way, and God's going to be handling all my problems from now onwards. So if you've got an issue and a problem against me, just take it up with God because he's my advocate and he's going to fight in my behalf. New Living Translation, I like it, says this. So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. I love that. God sets you truly free. Come on, you are truly free. Free, But you see what it said, it said here? It, and, and this is what you've got to understand. It says, you will indeed be free. You are free indeed. What do we see first? His freedom through the cross. He's made it possible. But then as we read on, it says, you shall be free indeed. I looked up that word deed in the dictionary. The word deed in the dictionary means a Thing done or an act. In other words, are you ready? Deed is an action word. I can prove that by the thought of, if you've done a good deed for someone, what does that mean? You have done something, a good deed for someone. You went to the grocery store and picked up their groceries and dropped them off to them. You mowed their grass. You did a good deed for them. You can't do a good deed for someone without doing something. It's not just a thought in your mind. A lot of people have thought those things, but a good deed has to be done. In the same way, the Bible says that you and I, how are we free? Oh, we're free in Christ, but how are we free? We are free in deed. What is deed? Doing. We are free in doing, in living out that freedom that God has possible for each one of our lives. So you've got to catch this. You and I find freedom in Christ and then we live it out in deed by our actions, by our doing and by our living. What do I mean? By being everything that God wants me to be. Thank you for my freedom, God, but now I'm going to do it in deed. I'm going to do it with my life. I'm now going to live out that freedom because you didn't just save me to save me. Remember, you saved me and called me for a purpose. And that purpose is the deed, indeed, that I want to step into. God has called us to be his salt and light. And again, those actions, those doing, don't bring the initial freedom because that's all God. But it helps keep me free. You know what helps keeping you free? Being in church. Come on, you need to indeed be in church. Come on, you need to indeed be in the Word. You need to be in prayer. You need to be in these things. Why? Because as I do those things, they're not what saves me, but they help keep me in the freedom and the liberty that God has for my life. No, I can never earn my salvation, but I must live it. Did you catch that? I can't earn it, but I'm called to live it. And every one of us need to be 
live in it. Come on, say with me, forgetting. forgetting. You've got to let go because this is our new day. This is our new moment. This is our fresh start. There is no greater beginning than today. There's no greater opportunity to start afresh than today. And your freedom can only truly be experienced when it's exercised and applied in your life. I use this example. Someone can buy you a voucher. They can give you a gift certificate. You're like, man, thank you. But really all that gift certificate is is a piece of plastic with printed words on it. Because it really has no value whatsoever unless what? You go to the store. You go to the restaurant. You say, hey, gift certificate. Woo! Free meal. Free food. But how many of us are sitting with the gift certificates of life in our pockets? And we're not living it out and sharing that life with other people. Come on, God has called us to be the hope to this dying world. He's called us to be a light in darkness and salt to those who are hurting, the purification. So what have we covered so far? We've been looking at Romans chapter 12, remember? We started in verse 9 and we've been working our way through that. And I encourage you to read that for yourself. But here's where we've been. We've started with we need to have love. We talked about that, remember? We've got to have love in our lives. It's not an option because when we know love, God is love, then we'll love other people. Love should be that which identifies us as followers of God. We then talked about the fact that we need to have stewardship in our life. Man, that's... I've never seen it spelt like that. That's pretty cool. And stewardship. That's good. We're wearing stewardship. We're wearing it. Wherever we do, we're wearing it. We're, we're carrying it. We're owning it in our life. Come on. What is stewardship? It's literally maintaining something that's not yours. What are we representing? We are stewarding everything of God. So we may not have it all right now, but we represent it all. And so we've got to conduct our lives in such a manner. And then we talked about this. Are you ready? Servanthood. We talked about being a servant. Jesus said, if you want to be the greatest of all, here it is, plain and simply, serve all. What? The world says something different to that. Yes, it does. And that's the problem. We follow what the world says before we follow what Jesus says. But Jesus says, you want to be a servant, the greatest of all. And he not only said it, he modeled it with his life because he said, I didn't come to be served. Come on, I came to serve other people and came to give my life as a ransom for all. And after last week's message, I've just got to say this. If you haven't signed up to serve somewhere in the church, what's wrong with you? Come on, turn to your name and say, what's wrong with you? Come on, every one of us needs to be serving and putting it to work in our lives. And, and I pray that you've been putting in every effort. We're so excited that coming up in two Sundays on October the 11th is our iConnect series. And we just would love every one of our church to go through that because that's the next step into serving in your church where you understand the heartbeat of this church what we're about and what does it mean to serve and how you can serve and the joys. You need to be a part of that. So if you haven't signed up for that, come on. I want this to be the biggest eye connect that we've ever had of people who are lining up and saying, I've got a heart to serve God. I want to serve the house. I want to serve other people around me. I love this. I love when I receive emails or texts from the messages on Sunday. I like, well, let me clarify that. I like the nice emails that I receive from the messages. (laughs) And get some not so nice ones, but the nice ones, send them all, please. 
you've got questions or problems, send them in and I trust me, we will answer them. But I received this text this week and I love it. And it says, what an awesome day I had today hanging out with my girls. I really enjoyed your message on Sunday, especially talking about being a good steward with your time and your family. So thank you so much for your words of truth. Isn't that cool? Just thank you, Pastor. I had a great time today. Took off and just spent some time with my family. And thank you so much for that. Listen to me. This stuff works. It works. And not because I tell it to you. It works because he wrote it. Come on, we're quoting God. He wrote the book that we're just quoting from. So say with me number four. Number four, we're reading on today, Romans 12, verse 16, and see if you can guess what it is. It's probably pretty much a giveaway because of the title of the message in the email that was sent out this week, but maybe some of you are still clueless with that. Incidentally, if you do not receive our weekly emails, we send out emails every week. Who is not receiving our weekly emails? Come on, let me see your hand right now. If you're not receiving those, please go to the Connect Zone at the end, the nice blue area at the back. See Rena or someone at the back, and they can take your information so we can make sure that we're contacting you each and every week. Romans 12, 16 says this, Be of the same mind towards one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own Opinion. Any guesses yet? Come on, let's read on. You Live in Translation says this. Are you ready? Live in harmony with each other. Don't become too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think that you know it all. Say with me today, humility. 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 That's what we're talking about today. A humility. Living with a humbleness in our lives. Humility, simply put, is this humbleness of mind. It's what it means, humbleness of mind, not high thinking. Thinking highly of yourself. Another definition for humility is meekness. I love that word, meekness. There is so much in that because most people equate meekness, like humility, with weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It's just controlled strength. It's just strength that is controlled. And that's the same with humility. It's not a weakness. It's a controlled strength. It's a choice that I choose to be humble in the life that I choose to live. The word humble means not being proud. The word humble means being modest. I love that. And that's what God wants us to be. He wants us to have humility in our life. We've got too many Christians today that position themselves so highly above everyone else. And their motto is, can't touch this. Can't touch this. Come on, that's how they live. They think that they're so holy. They think that they're so mighty. They think that they're so great. You know, our nation has really been kind of challenged this week. Our nation has been challenged. And I'm not talking about doctrine and I'm not talking about religion here. I'm just talking about the person of the Pope who has come to our nation this past week. Our nation has been really challenged by what? Seeing a man of such great humility. Seeing a man of a humble heart and a humble spirit that turned down lunch with dignitaries to go and eat with the homeless. 
who turns down a palatial living accommodations where he can be chauffeur limo driven every day to choose to live with the fellow priests and those around. I'm not promoting a man today, but let me tell you something. There's something in the way he's living his life that puts us as Christ's children, as Christians, to shame. The humility of his life. Now, what happens because of his humility? Are you ready? People listen to him. People listen because it's not arrogance. It's not, well, look at me. I'm so great and grand. Here's someone who's identifying himself as a sinner like we all are. A sinner like everyone else. But what does it do? It makes people open up to him. It makes people love him. Think about where we would be today if we walked into our workplace on Monday morning. That would be tomorrow. And we walked in so humble and not so proud and full of ourselves. Think what would happen if we were looking for opportunities to serve other people around instead of demanding all the attention and look at me and being obnoxious and high thinking of ourselves and doing all those kind of... I want to ask you right now, that high-minded, that high position above everyone else, just ask yourself this question, is that where God wants you to be placed? Because if you're placed there, the Bible speaks that you are too heavenly minded to become too earthly good. Come on, you can position yourself by being so super spiritual above everyone else. Jesus didn't come and impress everyone with his words. Come on, Jesus came and loved everyone and meet them at their need. That's humility. Come on, he didn't quote scripture and chastise them with that. Oh, he used the scripture, but he earned the right to be able to speak into their life because he came with such humility. Come on, we've positioned ourselves as the church, looking down our nose at everyone else. And it's no wonder people don't want to be a part of what we're doing. We've distanced ourselves. We've made ourselves out of reach from those. And that's not good. Especially after the messages that we've been preaching where we talked about love and we've talked about stewardship and we've talked about servanthood. Come on, the answer is no, no, no to positioning our life out of reach. Jesus never elevated himself better than others. But he presented to them a better way. Think about that. He didn't, what, elevate himself above others, but he used his position to present to them a better way, a hope. What was his position? A humility in the middle of the crowd. He used that position to present to them a better way. Are you ready? As he represented to them the life of God. He presented by representing. Too many of us are good at uh, presenting, but we don't represent. He presented and represented. And that's what this whole message is about. This is what this series is about, being the salt and light. We're not just presenting the fact that we're Christians. We're representing that we're different. That God has called us to a higher standard, to a higher way. Jesus didn't just talk the talk. He walked the walk. He lived it out. And you know the problem with elevating yourself up here? I'm telling you what the problem is. The higher you are the higher or the further you have to fall. And the Bible speaks of that in Proverbs 16, verse 18. It says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, high thinking. Pride, the opposite of humility, goes before a what? A fall. A fall. A fall. 
I like what Roy Stockstill said. He says, a man on his face can never fall from that position. Come on, a man on his face before God can never fall from that position. But when we elevate ourselves and think of ourselves higher and we've arrived, Paul, if anyone had the opportunity outside of Jesus to say they'd arrived, come on, Paul, come on, we would give him credit for that. We'd say, Paul, you could have that. Paul says, I haven't apprehended. Remember, I haven't arrived there, but I'm leaving things because I'm going where I need to be going, but it's a daily walk and I've got to represent that wherever I'm at. Look what it says in 1 Peter 5, verse 5 and 6. And I know some of you more mature people are going to start shouting, but don't shout too loud because we're going to follow you in a few moments. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Amen. Come on. There you go. Represent. Come on. Come on. Respect us. Follow authority. But notice what Paul goes on to say, or Peter rather, goes on to say. He says, yes, all of you. Not just the younger, but while I'm thinking about it, everyone needs to be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Really what he's saying is you've got to be clothed with humility to be submissive to everyone. You've got to have humility in your life. He goes on to say, for God resists the proud. Think about that, resists. He fights against, literally. He is opposed to the proud, those who are self-elevated. But he gives grace to the... The humble. The humble receives grace. We can have a resisting or we can have the grace of God in our life. And it's your choice to make the right choice which one you want. I don't want to resist God and the work of God. I need the grace of God in my life. And how does that come? By humbling my life. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That he who, God, may exalt you in due time. Who's the one that wants to exalt your life? Who's the one that wants to promote your life? God. And God says, I'll do that as what? As you become lowly and you become humble, God says, I'll bring about great strength and blessing and promotion into your life. And again, what do we see? Just like we saw with servanthood. God said, if you want to be the greatest, be against Be the servant of all. It's against what the world says. We see that again here because God says you want to be elevated. You want to be promoted into the right position. You've got to humble yourself to the lowest position so I can be the one that elevates you. That's not what the world says. The world wants everyone to fall down and worship them. And just for them to be admired and to be displayed. Come on, I don't want people to see me because if they see me, they haven't seen Christ. And I've got to get me out of the way and humble me so people can see the real Christ. That I can represent really what He is. And verse 16 says, And be of the same mind towards one another. What is He meaning there? Having the same mind, thinking the same way. That's not possible, is it? There is no way that I can think like you. And I'm telling you right now, you would not like to think like me. Having a five minutes in my mind, some of you would be like terrified. My mind never stops. It just goes all the time. You would be exhausted two minutes into my mind. Trust me. My mind never shuts down. It's just going. Kelly laughs at me all the time. And I know I've said this. I can be watching TV and everyone I see on TV reminds me of someone. I'm like, man, doesn't that guy look just like John? She's like, for goodness sake, just shut down your mind and watch it. Okay, I will. But doesn't he look like John? Just tell me that. What's going on? 
I mean, come on, come on, come on. The kids will come in and I've got the pause and I've got the replete. Oh, look at this, look at this, look at this. Judah now, when he comes in, he says to everyone now, and they point to the two, he goes, what's this? What's this? What's this? But think about that. He says, let this mind be in you. What does he mean? Everyone thinking the same, the same thoughts? No, that's not what he's talking about. Here's what he's talking about. I'm going to use a scripture to prove it. Philippians 2, verse 5 through 11. He says this, let this mind be in you. Here's how you need to think. Here's the thinking that you need to have in your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was, wow, come on, I'm going to stop right here and look at this, because this is the mind of Christ he's talking about. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In other words, what it's saying there is this, he was God. Come on, he was God. He is God, so he could have come as God to this world. It wouldn't have been wrong. It wouldn't have been robbery. It wouldn't have been anything wrong because he is God. Jesus is part of the triune Godhead, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So he is God. But notice what it said. But he made himself of No reputation. I love that. Listen to what it says. Are you ready? Here's what that means. He emptied himself of all his heavenly privileges. He emptied himself of every privilege as being a God. He made himself of no reputation. Taken on the form of a bondservant. He he could have come in any way he wanted. But he came as a bondservant. And came in the likeness of man. He became... One of us. Verse 8. And he being found in the appearance as a man, he what? What did he do? He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. What did he do? He was humble and obeyed. He was humble and obeyed. That's what we need to be. We need to be humbling our lives. I'm glad today that God's not asking us to lay down our lives. But God is asking us to pick up our lives and live for him. And he wants us to obey him in that, not only present, but to represent those things, even to the death of the cross. Notice what happens. Here is someone that humbled their life, but notice what God does. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. That thought there means placed him in a position above anyone else. No one is even close to him. And now God has given him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and shall bow. Even Satan will have to bow before the name of Jesus. Come on. Of those in heaven and of those of earth and of those under the earth. And every tongue is going to have to confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let me paraphrase it this way. He left heaven, the splendor and the glory. He emptied himself of that privilege to become a walking, talking human being like you and I so he could feel the pain of other people, so he could know the struggles, so he could have compassion for them. As he humbled himself willingly and lived in obedience, even going to the cross, 
But as a result of the humility and obedience, what does it say at the end? Through all of it, that the glory may be of the Father who is in heaven. Doesn't that sound a whole lot like Matthew 5 verse 16 that we've talked about in this series where the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And guess what? Through the life that you live, not only presenting but representing, guess what happens? They will glorify your Father, just like Jesus glorified the Father. Each and every one of us are to have the mind of Christ, to live out the life of Christ, to be humble and to be obedient, that we too can bring glory to God. Why? Because the greatest glory that there is to God is a sinner that gets saved. And we can lead people in that by the life that we live through our humility and our obedience, bringing them to God. How many would agree that's the mind that I need to have inside of me? God, what do you need me to do? How can I serve you today? How can you use me today? Because God wants to receive the glory from your life. Not because he's an egotistical monster and he wants all the glory. Because we explained what the glory is to God. It's a sinner that is being saved. Another one that has been plucked from the depths of hell and now has the freedom and the liberty of Christ Jesus. Remember, we're saved and called. We're not just saved to just live saved. We're saved to tell other people and to share with them what God has done. God exalts humility. And that is always his starting point. Just like with the little, it has to start there. It has to start with humility. Because if it's given by man, it can be taken by man. But when it's given by God, that's, that's a different story. That's a different story. I don't want my life to be the sum total of the people that I live around. I want my life to be the total of the God that lives inside of me. That I'm not allowing other people to determine how I wake up each and every day, but I'm allowing Him to give me the joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I'm allowing Him to give me the peace that's passed all understanding, where humanly it shouldn't be. Come on, if man gives it, man can take it. But when it comes by the way of God, come on, the only thing He can do is give you more and more and more and more, because He doesn't choose to take any of it back. He doesn't want any of it back because he doesn't need any of it back. But you need more and more and more. So what do we do? We humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us. We need Christians to be humble. We need Christians to be transparent. You know, we go into our workplaces and we let everyone think we're perfect. We never have a problem. Maybe you don't. Maybe you're the opposite. Maybe people really look at you and go, man, problems. But a lot of time we mask it. We, we disguise it. You've got to realize something. The tests that you went through in your life that God brought you through, God now wants to use as a testimony to other people. And I don't believe for one second that there's not something that God's done in your life that you can't be relevant with someone. Miss Kristen, each and every day, she has young girls that come into their door of hope. It's a clinic and a help for those. And every day she can share with them the reality of what God did in her life. Because why? She went through abortions. She was a drug addict. She was in prison. She had that life. Now she can say to him, I know where you're at because God saved me from that place. And you see, God can use the circumstances of your life. And you may say, well, how could I talk to them? Because I didn't have that story. You don't have to have that story to talk to people because you can still use examples of your life to show the goodness and mercy 
mercies of God. But we go with such a hidden life and such an agenda just to make everyone think we're perfect. And really what they think is you're obnoxious and rude. They don't want to be around you. You're playing your music so loud and not being involved in any conversations and doing anything like that. I'm going to say a statement, and I really don't want to say it because someone may take me wrong, but I really feel I need to say it here. You've got to go into the world to reach the world. I didn't say you become a sinner. You don't have to go out and drink, and you don't have to go and club, and you don't have to go and party. But you've got to broaden your horizons, because if all you've got is Christian little friends, come on, you're not going to touch anyone for Christ. Come on, anyone can fish in an aquarium, but God sent us out to fish the whole world. And someone said, well, how far do we go with that, Pastor? Well, here's my question. When you start to compromise your testimony, you've gone too far. What you do is you go there to bring them into where you're at. You don't go there to stay where they're at. You go to lift them up and to bring them to where you're at. Again, we're not elevated and greater than them, but we're positioned above them in heavenly places because of what God's done in our life, not us. And we're called to reach them up. So when we go to work and we're so closed and we're so closed-minded and, and we're never involved, come on, we can make other people feel that we're so prideful and above them. We've got to make other people feel that, wow, I can be real with you. Because you know what I'm talking about. You've got a testimony. You've got a goodness in your life. And maybe some of you need to go into your work tomorrow and apologize for some people and say to them, you know what, I'm sorry how I've presented myself every day. I'm not sorry about who I represent. But you know what, my life hasn't represented who I represent. And I'm making some changes. I've had a rough week too, and let me tell you about it. But I can go to God, and just like you can, we can find God together. We're all on a journey together. We're all on a journey learning together. We're all on a journey growing together. We need to be changed together. Look at this. Here's my definition of humility. Are you ready? My definition of humility is this. My life, my life it cannot be talking down to people. But come on, it's got to be pointing up to people. Come on, it can't be talking down to people. It's got to be pointing up to people. And that's what I'm doing. I'm not just talking down to people. I'm living with them and I'm pointing up to them. And I'm saying, look what God's done in my life. Because I'm pointing them through the examples of my life to God. Not elevating myself above because I'm not talking down. But I'm down with them, pointing up, saying, there's our hope. Because I'm nothing. You're nothing but for the grace of God. And we can't take credit for our lives. We can just give thanks and praise God for everything He's done. You and I are humans like everyone else. Being a Christian doesn't mean we're succumbed to all the problems and the struggles and the temptations and all those things because the Bible says no temptation has overtaken anyone except is common to all man. But God is faithful in that. We all face the same battles. We have the same issues. We're all fighting the same devil. And people need to know that you care. They need to see the answer living out through your life. Because look at this. I am not better than you, but he's the best. That's what we need to be telling people. I'm not better than you, but he's the best. He's the best. He's the best. And you've got to see that. Jesus talks a lot about humility. I mean, he talks a lot about humility. One parable he uses, I like it in Luke chapter 14, verse 7, 11. So he told this parable to those who were invited. And when he 
noted how they chose the best seated. He said to them, you see, Jesus is standing. He's waiting at this wedding, and he's just kind of standing. Jesus observed a lot of things. You can learn a lot by observation. And Jesus is just watching. And here's what he was watching. He was watching everyone fighting because everyone wanted to be on the front seat. Everyone was like pushing people out of the way. Why? Because they were running in. They wanted to be at the best seat because if they're in the best seat, that meant that they were the most powerful person. In those days, that's what it meant. The best seats were reserved for the most powerful people. And Jesus said these words. He said to them, look what's going on here. He says, when you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, He says, don't sit down in the best places. Lest someone more honorable than you has been invited by the host, by him. And when he who has invited you, the host, has come, he will say to you, can you move and give place for this man? And then you begin with shame to where? You have to then go to the back of the line. You have to go to the back place. Jesus says, but when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. Now listen, I just want you to know something. He's not talking about church here. So he's not talking about, well, pastor, I'm just sitting in the lowest place. Because I just, the back is not the place you need to be in church. I just want you to know that. You need to be at the front. You need to be fighting for the front in church. He's not talking about church here. So you need to be fighting for the front in church. He says, but when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So when he who is the host, he who has invited you, he may say to you, friend, I've got some space up front. Would you like to move forward? Can you see the difference? Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. Why? Because you're not there under your own merits. You're there because the merits of the host. You're there because of Christ's elevation in your life. For whosoever exalts himself will be humbled. Put down, because that's not godly behavior. But God says whoever humbles himself will be exalted. The Bible's full of this stuff. James 4 verse 10, humble yourself in the sight of God. And what will he do? God will lift you up. Humility to me, I think, is more than an action. We talked about that. I think humility is more than an action. I think humility is an attitude and a proper perspective that we need to live out every day. God, give me the right attitude on how to handle this. Help me to see the right way. Because if we don't watch, we can elevate ourselves. We can see things wrong. We can see things with a slant, with an edge for us. We can read into circumstances and situations. It's more than an action. It has to be an action. Because humility is obedience. Remember, Jesus humbled himself and obeyed. There is an action to humility. But it has to come from a proper attitude. And it has to come from a proper perspective. An attitude and perspective have to be constantly managed in your life. Let me explain that. You can sit here right now, and I pray you do, and say, you know what? I'm going to have a better attitude this week. And I'm going to have a different perspective on things this week. I'm going to make the challenge. I'm going to do what I need to do. And before you even get home, that can be challenged as someone cuts you up. Come on, that someone cuts you off on the road and all of a sudden your attitude can change really quick. Come on, attitude and perspective has to be something that is constantly maintained in our life that we're keeping check of. And we're saying, God, is that honoring you? Is that what I need to be doing? You see, it's seeing yourself 
as a yielded, willing vessel but to be used of God in any way God you see fit. That's what humility is. God, how do you want to use me? If you want to help me to feed that homeless person, that's great. If you want me to take out my boss, that's great. See the different levels of spectrum in the world's eyes, but in God's eyes, everything is equal. It's the same. How do you want to use me, God? You see, humility is not forcing yourself on people. Say with me, ETR. ETR, we need to earn the right to share the gospel with other people. Because if we don't earn the right, people are going to turn around. I've used this example before, and it's a good one. The people on the street corners are screaming, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. You know what most people say to them? You go to there. Why? Because that works that response in them. But when you sit down and say to them, you know what? God's got such great things for you, and the choices and the decisions you're making in your life are not good. But God's got greater things. You're in essence saying the same thing, but in a completely different way. And you are earning the right. Why? By befriending them, by loving them, by showing interest in them, by remembering their name, by just taking time out. Hey, I was just stopped at Starbucks. I just wanted to bring you a coffee. I pray you're having a great day. You're earning the right to be a yielded, willing vessel for God. You see, humility is the total absence of arrogance, conceit, and haughtiness. Am I humble? Am I humble? Is that how I live my life? And it's really amazing when you think about the thoughts of what we've just covered right now. Love, stewardship, servanthood, and humility. It's amazing how much they overlap each other. Why? Because you can't truly serve someone without having humility and love in your life. Come on, you can't be humble without being first a servant. You can't truly love someone without being a servant and having humility in your life. You can't truly be a good servant to other people without having humility and love. Do you see? And then there's the stewardship. That's the maintaining the balance of it all in every area and everything of our life. So am I being humble? Am I being humble? On the email I wrote it, it's kind of funny that Moses in the Bible says he was the most humble man that ever lived out of all people. Numbers 12 verse 3. And that's really cool till you realize he wrote that about himself. Seriously. The Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, he wrote those. So he wrote of himself. That would usually imply if you're writing that of yourself, you're maybe not kind of so humble. I'm not disputing that, but it's kind of funny, isn't it? But the funny thought can be thrown back on us, that we can say, oh, I think I'm humble. Ask someone else. Ask someone else, because your perception and your attitude could be so way off of what it really means. And I wanted to cover more points today and, and, and get further into this. And really, I'm going to have to finish this message on Wednesday, because next week we're starting our next series on Bible stories, Unlikely Heroes, which is going to be phenomenal. So on Wednesday night, we're going to talk about the last three. We're going to talk about being honorable, living with peace, and being an overcomer. Because as a child of God, God wants us to have love. God wants us to have good stewardship. God wants us to serve others. God wants us to live with humility. God wants us to have honorable lives. God wants us to live at peace. He said, as much possible with you, live at peace with all men. And what else does he say? I want you to be an overcomer. Because greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. Let me close with this story if I can. Are you ready? I once watched a show on the Biography Channel. I like that channel. 
And I watched the story of a guy called Mr. Croc and how he came and he took the McDonald's brothers' idea and he marketed them into a worldwide empire. In the show, it showed how meticulous he was about everything being done the same way at every location. On every burger, there had to be half a teaspoon of mayo. There had to be one teaspoon of ketchup. He could have left the pickle out and I'd have been good with that. That would have been fine. He wrote a detailed manual for everyone to follow every aspect of the store. But no matter how hard and what he wrote, he wasn't happy with the results. In different locations, people weren't experiencing the same service that he desired. And the product was being presented in a different way. True story. So he started a school called Hamburger College. True story. A hamburger college. I laughed when I thought about that. Instead of being the valedictorian for your class, you were probably labeled the Big Mac or something like that. That was the prize. You're the Big Mac. You made it. You're the quarter pounder with cheese. Come on now. So he started a school called the Hamburger College. And in this school, all they did was train people how to prepare and serve their product correctly. You can read and watch something like that and think, that's pretty crazy. I mean, why would someone go to so much effort and so much work over something as simple as a hamburger? But when you think about it, is it really crazy? The reason he did it was because he was serious about his product and the goal that he had. Let me say that again. He was serious about his product and the goal that he had. And his goal was to give people the greatest service and the same experience at whatever McDonald's restaurant they ate at. What about us as a Christian? What experience is people getting from each and every one of us? Because remember, our whole goal is to show them the product. And the product is not a hamburger or fries or chicken nuggets. The product God has called us to represent is Him Himself. We are representing God. And that's why we've got to get this right. Why? Because wherever we go, people need to see the same God. They need to hear the same God. They need to experience the same God. If not, they're not experiencing the one true God. We are called, each and every one of us, to be the signpost, pointing the way to Christ. We can make it more modern for today. You and I are called to be the GPS. That we are what? Taking people at least, showing them God. Whether they receive him or not, that's their choice. But we've got to be pointing the way, showing them, taking them to God through our lives. And if we're doing it all different methods and all different ways, we're representing all different gods. And the last time I checked, God is just one God. One true God. And that's why we need to represent the product right. Because every Christian that someone experiences... They should get the same service 
and they should get the same answers to every problem. Come on, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. We're called to be his salt and light. Would you stand to your feet today? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.